Are you looking for a comprehensive and convenient online health fitness training platform? Look no further than Vikido Fitness Academy. With a variety of programs designed to meet your needs, this platform offers everything from weight loss and wellness group coaching programs to an emotional intelligence course. You'll learn what to eat in order to achieve optimal health and energy levels. You'll have access to exercise training, live coaching meetups with myself, Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and other instructors, as well as support and accountability throughout your journey. Whether you prefer to work out at home or at your favorite gym, Vikido Fitness Academy makes it easy to follow along with their programs. So get started on your journey to better health and fitness. Visit vikidofitness.com forward slash VDF Academy. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about hot topics and research articles. Our topic today is, what's new? Hot topics number 90. Researchers for the first time find brain signals of chronic pain. The study linked chronic pain to activity in the orbitofrontal cortex. How would this affect treatment in dealing with chronic pain? Does cracking your knuckles cause arthritis? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks. How's that? Hi, how are you, Vicki Doe? <laughs> I am fine. Don't you know? Don't you know, Vicki Doe? <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, yes. we've had beautiful, we always talk about the weather. We've had beautiful weather this week. Oh, my goodness. It's just been gorgeous. Gorgeous. Gorgeous weather. They are talking about different things. We'll talk about that later, about uh, wildfires and stuff. And well, you know, I just put on Facebook that if the weather quality, I was looking at it today while I was in the hospital, people were talking about it. Weather quality is bad. Uh, if you have, you know, respiratory issues, you need to put your mask on like we did for COVID or just don't go outside. Because these are the this is a fallout from those Canadian fires coming all the way from Quebec. Isn't that something? Canada. Yeah. So I thought about it. I said, listen, if we get stuff from Quebec, you know we got something from East Palestine, Steinstein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the wind blowing and we're only, what, 20 miles or something like that. If we're getting something blown down from Quebec, Canada, you like you said, you know uh, that East Palestine, the time will tell. Yes, uh, time will tell. On. You know. It's funny. I did measure Vicky the <laughs> class action lawsuit. If you're so many miles away, and shoot, I didn't make it. Doggone it! <laughs> I know. Nah, because I thought about it too. I was I like, measured it. Shoot, I got my my little compass and all of that, and I got my little map, and I was checking all the mileage and stuff, and I'm like, darn it, no. I know, I know, no. but but it's terrible for. For, that for, a good thing. I didn't even think about that. Yep. yep. That's terrible for those folks down there too. New York is terrible. Yeah. Nobody's talked about it, but don't that whole air pollution, that's a, that's something. It is. The chemicals. And especially for people who have a lot of respiratory problems like we see in the hospital. Yes, yes. But that's it, D. We are here, right? We are here. Yes, we are. We are here. And this is episode 258. And today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 90. Well, researchers for the first time have recorded brain signals of chronic pain. A new study linked chronic pain to activity in the orbital frontal cortex. And it's an area involved in emotion 
regulation, self-evaluation, and decision-making. And so we are going to discuss that article and how it would affect us in dealing with chronic pain. Well, does cracking your knuckles cause arthritis? <laughs> you know, well, what causes you anyway? What caused some people to want to crack their knuckles? That has never been my issue. Has that been your issue? Never. And I was talking to one of my medical students today about it. And he was like, well, you know, I do it for this reason and that reason. I read the article and it's really interesting when you go over things that I never even thought about in cracking the knuckles. What I know. the sound and all of that. Yeah, I knew the That's sound. That's never been my issue. Yeah, we call that that fart. We call it a fart. So I knew it was that. <laughs> The knuckle, knuckle fart. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that's that. That's mm -hmm. definitely going to be interesting. And we're going to debunk some of the myths, but find out, you know, why some people do it. And so we're going to talk about these articles much, much more on this episode of it's all about health and fitness and as per usual, Dr. D. Banks will give us the latest on COVID or any other virus or bacteria lurking around to get us. As you would say, that's coming to get us. That's coming to get us. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to ask her what's the latest so that we can be prepared. So stay tuned, folks. What do you say, D? <laughs> yes, definitely. Definitely stay tuned. That's funny. Another virus is coming to get us. It's coming to get us. <laughs> you know, we can't look. It's always something. <laughs> it's always Definitely. something. All right. Well, make sure, folks, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. And when you subscribe, you will be notified. You will be notified first when we post a new show. You will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows, you know, where we bring in other guests and we talk about things that are important, that are important for our health. We talk about things that are important for our health and our well-being and our community. And as you know, we do not just talk about our physical health. We talk about things to do to preserve our mental health as well, because we believe in total well-being. That is having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure, make sure you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review of this show because that is how we grow and increase our listeners, and we appreciate you. And as always, what do we say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D, yeah, you know, we just talking about flowers, so yes. I know. I got my flowers planted. What else we got? We got the patio furniture. We getting ready to move that out in place and getting ready for this summer heat, you know. Has your, has your landscaper been there, been to your house? Oh, big time. Working? Oh, big time. So okay. all of our flowers are planted, so now... He's going to work on the front. Yeah. And so we got things going on. So it was great. But he had to wait a little bit because we kept getting down in the 40s at night, 40s and oh, 30s. Yeah. Yeah, that was a problem. I remember last week I had to have uh, my son Mark to go out. We put newspaper over the flowers because we had planted them and it, they were getting ready for a frost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so I think we're okay now. Yeah, I think we're okay now, but it's just weird how how the weather is so is. weird. Yeah, it it's cold, really cold, like 40, is. 40. And then the next day it's 70, 80. Yeah, I was taught. I went to the grocery store yesterday and this guy was taking his basket back. He goes, I just hate this weather. I can't figure out whether it's cold one one time or hot another time. I said, you know, sir, I completely understand. It's totally confusing. <laughs> it's confusing. confusing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, yeah, we did that. Talking about the, the air, like you said, and then um, the pollen. The pollen is in the um, the air, you know, and I'm allergic to, to pollen. Yeah, what a, how are you faring through all of this? Well, I'm staying, usually I be out and about and I'm kind of staying inside and then when I do go out, I do put on my mask because it's high and you can read on your phone I always read on my phone every morning I always look and see 
how the air quality is. Really? Yeah, because it'll, it'll show you the, the air quality, you know, and, it, it, and yesterday was high, very high with the uh, pollen in the air. Yeah, to, for some reason, I don't know, today was the first day I had looked on it because, you know, I was in big time total denial when I saw it was hazy yesterday. And I'm like, yes. oh, no, that couldn't be the Quebec fire. And then everybody was like, no, that is the Quebec fire yes, coming it is. down here. Yes. Isn't that crazy? So we got to be that's crazy. real careful because that's that, about, you know, that's almost five or 600 miles away. I know. So, yeah, that's very kind of scary a little bit. It's very scary. Yeah, very scary. Yeah. So that's what's going on there. And yeah, I'm just trying to get my house ready to be, just have a few months. You know, we only have quick months. That's all we have. July and winter. July and winter. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Because it, it comes quick. Yeah. It comes quick. Yeah. So I'm trying to enjoy that. So what was your week like, D? So I was off last weekend and I really just kind of, you know, just kind of did a couple, went to see a football game in Canton, Ohio, which is kind of weird because, well, it was actually kind of fun. It wasn't, it was USFL and it's a football league that, you know, they're not like the major football players, but they could feed to the NFL. Yes. But what was nice about it was that it was nice and warm outside and it wasn't like sitting in the Cleveland stadium freezing to death when you're trying to oh, go I see know, the Browns. Oh, I know, right? Mm -mm, That's why no. I can't do it. Uh -uh, I can't do no. it. I'd rather... Was that I'm really uh, getting into planting flowers, planting some vegetables, mm. you know, trying to get the backyard together, just, you know, going out to the nursery out there on South Avenue and just seeing all the beautiful flowers and stuff. You know, people are really into their yards. I yes. see a lot of people out there and they're you know, getting all these beautiful flowers and plants. And, you know, I just think like I've told you before, when I see your house, there's nothing like a beautiful yard in the, in the summertime. With all the flowers. Right? Yes. Yeah. I, I look forward to that, you know. Me too. Yes. Me too. Me so too. that's that's what's going on in our neck of the woods, right? That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what is going on this week, D? Everything. Everything, Vicky. This is updated information because I I didn't know that. Tell us what's the updated with the tennis. Well, Ooh. hey, Coco, hey, we, we always like for her to, uh, Coco Goff, we always love for her to do as much as she could and can, but she only Aww. made it to the quarterfinals. Aww. Yeah, she only made it, uh, and then she was, what's what's her name? Is it Iga Swatek or something? I don't something? know how to pronounce any of these girls' <laughs> yeah, names. It's, I honestly do not. I'm sorry. They got I all I them. I try to practice, but I, I don't know, know these girls' names. No, I, I can't. I never can get it right. But yeah, but she was she won. She's gonna defend her title. It's on track. Did you she know. win the French Open last year? Uh-huh. She was in a rematch of last year's final. So she had straight set victories over the American who was okay. Coco. Yeah. So now she's up to go to the semifinal. I think it was yeah, today. So okay. I gotta look because you know. They're ahead of time, right? So Yeah, they are. Five hours. You know, last night I watched, the day before yesterday, I think it was, or two days ago, I watched Djokovic. No, I watched that Alcatraz and another guy. Yes. And then yesterday. He's just 20. Alcatraz is just like 20. Yes. He's yes. young. He's young. And they were duking it out. I'm assuming, I fell asleep. I'm assuming that Djokovic won uh, last night. Yeah, uh, I have to check that out because I'm not I sure. I check that too because they were going at it. Um, I can't think of the name of his opponent, but yeah, that Djokovic was, he was, you know, he, but the, the guy gave him a run for his money. It wasn't like he just came in and bam, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but it always amazes me. So the men have to play more sets than the women. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got and it, then so, but this is the weekend where it will determine the finals, right? Uh huh. Yes. Yeah, because we don't have you know Tia Four is not playing. No. He got out because he got injured. Yeah. Um, Sloan Stevens isn't in. No. You know, and so yes, yeah. all know, our folks. My, I know, right? And but the comment, one of the commentators on the tennis channel, I've been watching that is you remember Chandra Rubin? Yeah, yes. the sister girl. Sandra Rubin is doing yes. some commentary. Yes, I on remember the seeing channel. her, and I was like, 
I'm glad you said something because I was like, man, she she looks familiar. Shandra Rubin, yeah, that's Shandra it. Rubin. That's it. Back in the day, I had to go back and and Wikipedia. Yeah, she had some matches back in the day. Yeah, oh. she was in the '90s. She was more in the like late yes, '90s. Yes, yes, I remember. Right? I remember because mm -hmm. I now that you said that because I kept saying. Dang, she looks familiar. Uh-huh. When she Andrew was talking. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I wanted to bring up, we always talk about some kind yeah. of health something that's going on now. And they've done, this is, this came out 2023. And we were kind of interested because I'm doing some research now, but I was trying to see what's the latest on our black population. And so mm -hmm. it says excess mortality and years of potential life lost among the black population in the U.S. And it's from the 1990s. So until 2020, that's what they were looking at. And this is in the, the JAMA or the JAMA. And so listen, it says the importance about this. It's a thick research here. I kind of broke it down to give some of the importance thing. The importance part of this was, and the reason why they were looking to see amid efforts in the U.S. to promote health equity, there is a need to assess certain or recent progress in reducing access deaths and years of potential life loss among the black population compared with the white population. And so I wanted to explain, you know, because we talk about the years of potential life loss and what that means. The concept of years of potential life loss involves they estimate the average time a person would have lived had he or she not died prematurely and so that's what they talk about when they're talking about years of potential life loss and so when they looked at the latest stats over a recent 22-year period the black population in the U.S. experienced more than 1.63 million excess deaths and more than 80 million excess years of life loss when compared with the white population. After a period of progress in reducing disparities, improvement stalled and differences between the black population and the white population worsened in 2020. Heart disease had the highest excess mortality rates and the excess years of potential life loss rates were largest, this was, a, that's because of the infant mortality, among infants and middle-aged adults. So the meaning of all this, after initial progress, we were making progress. Excess mortality and years of potential loss among the U.S. black population, it stagnated and then worsened, indicating a need for new approaches. So we back to square one and we got to figure out what are we going to do now? All I have to say is, you think in that something you think and that just stopped in 2020 so yes. it really didn't catch all the stuff that happened with covid yeah the residual because yeah some data is coming out about how that impacted life expectancy with the black population how covid impacted that so wait till they extrapolate and or rather research all of that up to like let's say 2025 I to know. see how the COVID epidemic impacted yeah, mortality. Because there's a lot of us that died. A lot. A exactly. lot of us died. A lot. Yeah. Yep. A lot. So, yeah. So it's back to the squaring. Back to square one. Yeah. And back to, again, about disparities. Disparities. We're on the bottom always. Always. Trying to get out there always. Always. So, yeah. There's new approaches and strategies that. And a lot of it, Vicki, is not just because people are born black, as we continue to say, a lot of it is due to social determinants of health. Yes. And then you political know, too, political I was getting ready determinants, to say, social and political, like our friend Daniel Dawes's book. Yes, social and political determinants of health. Who you vote for is going to impact all those folks that voted for those folks to get into to, uh, office in the southern states. And then the governors or, or the legislatures did not expand Medicaid. 
all the benefits and stuff that were lost to persons of color. But, you know, as I say, it was also lost to poor white people as well who voted for them to yes. get in the office. But they were voting against their own interests because these people were doing Medicaid non-expansion. And it wasn't just black people, you know, or people of color who needed these benefits. It was people who didn't have money. So it was everybody. But that's the whole point. Yes. And like the, the little folks say, it's getting worse and worse. It's getting worse. <laughs> My oldest son said that. It's worse and worse. It's getting worse and worse. <laughs> it's getting, getting worse and worse. Yeah. Worse and worse. So those are things. We're back at the squaring board and we're, yeah, we're, yeah. we're diligently trying to figure out, okay, what can we do? How can we help, you know, the, the communities, you know, hey, yeah. that's where we at. It's an uphill struggle. It's an uphill struggle. Yes, indeed. Mm -hmm. Well, tell us about the, the latest, about the girl. I wanted to talk about Astrid Gilberto because that's sort of like my era of the mid-60s when there was this movement, the Bossa Nova movement. It was the time when the the Brazilian sound came in of, you know, the I'm trying to think of... Um, the guy that did The Fool on the Hill and all these musicians. And it was kind of like a very fast, you know, samba beat. And Astrid Gilberto came up, and she was in her 20s, something like that, and sang this song, Young and Lovely, The Girl from Ipanema. Mm -hmm. And it was a big hit because of the sound that it had. And I was going through, when she died, I was going through some of the YouTube, you know, she was on Ed Sullivan, all these shows and stuff. So she died. The Latin community is more the loss of a legend, Brazilian singer Astrid Gilberto, known for her hit song, The Girl from Ipanema, has died. She was 83. The news was confirmed on Tuesday by her granddaughter, Sophia Gilberto. Mm -hmm. Well, not only was Astrid a good singer, but she had a daughter. I can't think of the daughter's name. Okay who came after her, who had a series of really good albums okay. uh, with that same Bossa Nova sound. Okay. So after the original version of The Girl from Ipanema was re-recorded with her only vocal, she was finally given credit for her work on the song, which earned her a Grammy in the Song of the Year category. From the 70s to 80s, Gilberto recorded a series of jazz albums. In 2002, she released her final album before leaving her career in music behind. In addition to her Grammy, Gilberto was awarded a Lifetime Achievement by the Latin Grammys in 2008 and was inducted into the International Latin Music Hall of Fame. So rest in peace, girl from Ipanema. Yeah, Ipanema, yes. Because I've heard that song before a lot. So tall and tender, and young and lovely, the girl from yes a lot of people have recorded it a lot yes of have yes recorded, recorded it. So, that yeah, that was the the bossa nova beat because didn't barry mandalow didn't he used to he say that? did okay yes barry mandalow and many of those crooner guys saying that it was always just a really nice crooner kind of song yes um, Yes. you know to sing so yeah oh, wow. um, yeah yeah that was the, that whole movement but yeah that was you know and then she had that hairstyle in the 60s that you know when i was in high school the girls had that straight hair that page that, that page bag, you yeah. know that page right page boy kind of thing yes yeah she had all of that and then she had a little mini skirt and stuff so yeah that was and then to have somebody come out of the latin community because that was you know we didn't have that right you know it was just mostly black and white singers of the United States, but you have now somebody to come out of the Latin community and just kind of bring that beat. Yes. So it wasn't just black music that had that beat. You it know, was it a was Latin. The Latins yeah. who came out with that beat. So yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right then. We got, oh yeah, Kristen Walker. She is the Philly native. She, you know, the whole hoopla was that Chuck Todd was leaving uh, Meet the Press. And so we were so glad that Kristen was taking his place because she will become the 16th moderator of Meet the Press. Now, I don't really watch it like I should. Me either. I loved it when, um, what, what was his Tim name? Tim Russert. 
Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? Mm -hmm. Me too. And it really, when Chuck Todd took over, that's when I really stopped watching it because it just still didn't have that same umph. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. Uh So hopefully she will bring something to it. But she will be the she will be the 16th moderator on uh, Meet the Press, the longest running television show in history, airing consecutively for more than 70. I didn't know it was that long. 76 years. Yeah, somebody, one of my Facebook friends, because I was talking about how I watched, started watching Meet the Press very, very early as a young child. My parents were into politics and stuff. And I remember on Sunday night, it would come on. So this friend of mine said, oh, well, Dr. Banks, you were there from the beginning. And I was like, I know I look old, but it, that started in 1947. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't even born then. <laughs> no, I'm not quite that old. But I do remember the guy that I came up with was Lawrence Spivak. Okay. And that was at the time when people like uh, Martin Luther King appeared on uh, it yeah. and a lot of the great black leaders, because that's what Meet the Press was all about. Uh, James Baldwin and mm-hmm. bringing a lot of these black people in the black civil rights movement and giving them an opportunity to appear on television. Because, you know, mm-hmm. there was a time when if a black person was on television, you, I called my mom, oh, my, there's a black person on television. Right, it you was know. like big deal, right? It was big deal. So I remember Lauren Spivak and those guys back in the day would give the black leaders an opportunity to come on. And sometimes they would come on with some of the people from the South and just have a, a discussion about issues. Right. Okay. It just, I don't know. It just kind of lost its flavor for me over the years. And then Tim Russett took it over. Yeah. And then that's when it was back to the same, you know, thing that we were used to really good news yeah, journalism, journalism and yes, stuff yes he was the best and then he died suddenly i remember the day that he died and he died of a heart attack yes he did but, and then when chuck todd took over i honestly i i never watched it i started turning over to cnn or whatever they had on yeah. or msnbc or something like that it was never the same for it me. was never the same but yeah so hopefully um um kristen you know she can She's good. Yeah, she Make graduated from Harvard. She's a Harvard grad. Mm-hmm. And I think she's paid her dues. You know, she's been on NBC, co-hosted NBC's Weekend Edition of Today. And the other day, I just saw her anchoring something. Okay. Uh, I can't remember what it was. It was actually just just before they announced that she was going to take She was over. on the so Today was Show. She was on the Today yeah, the, Show. that's right. The Today Show. Because that's when she yeah. said that she was so happy and all that. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, because so, this yeah. is another step up for her. It is. Yeah, from yeah, NBC. And I'm happy for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and as you know, you were saying in the, in the write-up that mm-hmm. she also drew, uh, got rave reviews for the 2020 presidential debate that she moderated between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Yeah, she did excellently on that. Yeah, so kudos to her. Kudos to her, She'll be the first African-American woman, black woman, and because she'd be the second one. It was a woman before they said. That's what I had heard. I didn't know who that was. Yeah, it was some woman, Mm -hmm. um, Run Tree or something. I don't know. Left in 19, the first woman since Run Tree. Okay. That left uh-uh. in 1953. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, that's news to me. No. Okay. So there it is. So there kudos is. to her, right? Kudos. Absolutely. All right. So what's the latest D on what's going to come to get us? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so far so good. Um, There were little rumblings about three new variants that, that were coming out of China. But one of the most recent articles that I read yesterday, the bivalent, as we know, the, the newest bivalent vaccine came out in September. And there was an article that I read from New England Journal of Medicine that pretty much what everybody understands now that most people's immunity has waned from that original original September vaccine. In fact, I got another vaccine in the interim for people that are over 65. But what it did show was still that those people who didn't get the most recent uh, vaccine, like in May or something, the, the numbers were still good in terms of decreased hospitalizations and decreased deaths. So even though you might get COVID. It's not going to be anything like it was in 2021, 20 and 21. Oh, I so, know, you know. I know. Those were scary times. 
Those are very scary times. We lost a million people. I know. Isn't that crazy? And so that's why when people go, oh, nobody's nobody's working now. Nobody wants to work or this and that. We can't find people this. I'm like, well, a million folks died. They were working. You lost a a million people. They were working. So, uh, right. Right. Yeah. And we we tend to forget that. We tend to forget that. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it. Well, thank you, Dee. You are so welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood-Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 90. Well, our first article talks about does cracking your knuckles cause... arthritis and this was written in the health day health day news and it goes to say have you heard the old wives tell this is what my grandma used to always tell me that knuckle cracking will enlarge your knuckles that's what my grandma used to say yeah i heard that too right yes okay and then it says what about the one that cracking your knuckles causes arthritis There are many beliefs about this common behavior, but it's time to debunk the myths about knuckle cracking. Why do people crack their knuckles? Well, Harvard Health cites several possible reasons. Knuckle cracking is a common behavior enjoyed by many. And this was said by Dr. Robert Smerling, a rheumatologist and senior faculty editor at Harvard Health. It can become a habit or a way to deal with nervous energy. Some describe it as a way to release tension. For some, it's simply an annoying thing that other people do. Sometimes people crack their knuckles out of habit, like cigarette smoking. Excessive knuckle cracking can become a hard habit to break. Stress release is another reason why people crack their knuckles. What causes the popping noise when you crack your knuckles. Dr. Thanda Aung, and she's an assistant clinical professor in UCLA's Division of Rheumatology, explains there haven't been enough studies to explain the mechanism behind the cracking noise. However, she says there are two hypotheses. The first is the popping noise could be from the movement of all the structures in the finger such as the bones, the tendons, and ligaments. The second hypothesis has to do with the synovial fluid, the fluid that lubricates the joints and the gas created from the synovial fluid. Ang explains the cracking sound may result from the movement of this gas in and out of the tight space. That's weird. That is so weird. In the finger joints. Now, we call it, we call it knuckle fart. You know how it goes, pruh, uh-huh. pruh, pruh. yeah, like gas. I had never heard that, Vicky. You've heard that before. Yeah, we've heard that uh, thing. That's why we call it knuckle fart. That is weird. Because it makes that pruh, pruh 
So that's a hypothesis, but they haven't, you know, they like she said, it's not enough stuff out there, research to yeah. really, yeah, decide that that's very true. So now, does cracking your knuckles cause arthritis? Well, Ung referred, reference an older study on habitual knuckle cracking and hand function, and the study determined that habitual knuckle crackers were more likely to have hand swelling and lower grip strength compared to those who don't regularly crack their knuckles. Yeah, I've heard about the hand swelling. But the study also concluded that there is no clear evidence this habit is associated with osteoarthritis, osteoarthritis, Ang added. Nevertheless, in theory, although we don't have enough studies to support the association between knuckle cracking and osteoarthritis, if you manipulate your joint significantly multiple times for a significant duration of time, it can cause damage. The bottom line, knuckle cracking is a common behavior and Ong suggested there should be more studies conducted over a longer period of time to further understand its link to degenerative joint disease. How can you stop cracking your knuckles? Ong reports many of her patients ask questions about knuckle cracking. They disclose the primary reason they crack their knuckles is response to stress and anxiety. She offers some practical advice to her patients. First, Ong recommends that they practice breathing exercises and meditation. Experts agree there are clear physical and psychological benefits to these practices. Harvard Health suggests following these simple steps to get started with breath work and meditation. As with any new strategy, developing a routine is key, is key to sticking to it and repeating the benefits. The more practice you get with breathing exercise and meditation, the easier it will be to use these strategies at a time when you're feeling anxious or stressed out. It's understood that knuckle cracking is often done subconsciously or without awareness. For this reason, Ung suggests keeping your hands busy doing something else as a solution. There are multiple ideas for this, including stress balls, fidget toys, therapy putty, and drawing or doodling. The best advice is to find something that works for you and your situation. Finally, Ung suggests trying common anxiety and stress relievers such as eating healthy, healthy eating, exercise, connecting with others, and journaling. While there's no de definitive evidence to suggest knuckle cracking causes arthritis it may be worth pursuing healthier ways to deal with anxiety and stress and finally breaking the habit. What does this mean for us? The science is out on whether cracking your knuckles might cause arthritis, but one expert says it might damage your finger joints nevertheless. So there it is. Yeah, well, it just makes sense. Like they said, overdoing any kind of joint thing would have to have some destructive outcome. On your on you your know. knuckles and your joints and your yeah. ligaments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I, I was I was talking to my medical student about it. He goes, well, Dr. Banks, is that something that you've ever done? I'm like, well, no, that's mm. just never been one of my, the no. thought of popping. No, mm. I mean, and as I've gotten older, intentionally popping something, I got enough <laughs> stuff without making it pop. <laughs> when you get my age, every time you walk, something's popping. So why would I want to pop something intentionally? I know, you know? it was so funny. You know, <laughs> it's so funny. My my brother called me. This was maybe um, last year. So he was doing a lot of hiking and biking and doing stuff because he went to Columbia and all that kind of uh -huh. stuff. So he got back and he and he called me. And he was in distress. He was like, look, you're an exercise physiologist. You know, I'm having pain here on my hip and my stuff. So I was asking him, well, what have you been doing excessively lately? He said, oh, I've been riding my bike and doing this and that. I said, uh, T, take an <laughs> aspirin and call it a day. Welcome to getting old. <laughs> Get out of here. He was like, what? I was like, yeah. I mean, do you know how my ankles hurt and my this hurt? And I don't do shit. <laughs> they just hurt. Welcome to old age, T. Take an aspirin or some Tylenol and call it a ibuprofen and have a nice day. Have a nice day. <laughs>
You're absolutely right. We no. fell out. We fell out laughing. Uh-huh. It was so funny because no, he was funny. like, "What? Well, what is it? I was like, really? <laughs> you called me for that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's yes. hilarious. Yeah, so oh, that was that. Well, guess what? We're at our next article, D. Yeah. And- Scientists find brain signals of chronic pain. A new study linked chronic pain to activity in the orbital frontal cortex, an area involved in emotion regulation, self-evaluation, and decision-making. So researchers have for the first time recorded the brain's firing patterns while a person is feeling chronic pain, paving the way for implanted devices to one day predict pain signals or even short-circuit them. Using a pacemaker-like device surgically placed inside the brain, Scientists recorded from four patients who had felt unremitting nerve pain for more than a year. The devices recorded several times a day for up to six months, offering clues for where chronic pain resides in the brain. The study published on Monday in the journal Nature Neuroscience reported that the pain was associated with electrical fluctuations in the orbital frontal cortex, an area involved in emotion regulation, self-evaluation, and decision-making. The research suggests that such patterns of brain activity could serve as biomarkers to guide diagnosis and treatment for millions of people with shooting or burning chronic pain linked to a damaged nervous system. The study really advances a whole generation of research that has shown that the functioning of the brain is really important to processing and perceiving pain, said Dr. A.J. Wassime, a pain medicine specialist at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine who wasn't involved in the study. About one in five Americans experience chronic pain, which is persistent or recurrent pain that lasts longer than three months. To measure pain, doctors typically rely on patients to rate their pain using either a numerical scale or visual one based on emojis. But self-reported pain measures are subjective and can vary throughout the day. And some patients like children or people with disabilities may struggle to accurately communicate or score their pain. So six tips for treating chronic pain. I understand it. Exercise helps. Control pain from the source. Reframe your thoughts. Mm. Use helpful descriptive language Mm. and find your team. In an ideal world, doctors would know how to deal with chronic conditions like pain. In this world, you might need to actively track down the care team for you. So there's a big movement in the pain field to develop more objective markers of pain Mm -hmm. that can be used alongside self-report, said Kenneth Weber, a neuroscientist at Stanford University, who was also not involved in the study. In addition to advancing or understand our understanding of what neural mechanisms underlie the pain, Dr. Weber added, such markers can help validate the pain experienced by some patients that is not fully appreciated or is even outright ignored by their doctors. Previous studies have typically scanned the brains of chronic pain patients to observe changes in blood flow in various regions, an indirect measure of brain activity. Such research is restricted to lab settings, however, and requires patients to visit a hospital or laboratory several times. And then they have pictures on here. Composite brain schematic shows the location of implanted electrodes, mm-hmm. contacts across the study's participants, the, as they show red dots, which are across the mm-hmm. um, frontal lobe. I guess that's frontal lobe area. Mm-hmm. The anterior cingulate cortex is shown in purple, which you can't see, and the orbital frontal cortex is shown in yellow. So orbital for the orbit, which is in the back, where the occipital area is, Mm -hmm. and then frontal. So that's that's pretty extensive. In the new study, Dr. Prasad Shirvalka, a neurologist at the University of California, San Francisco, and his colleagues instead use electrodes to measure the collective firing patterns of thousands of neurons in the electrode's vicinity. Mm-hmm. The researchers surgically implanted the recording devices into four people who had been living with pain for more than a year and had found no relief through meds. For three of the patients, the pain began after a stroke. Mm. The fourth had so-called phantom pain we know about after you lose an extremity mm-hmm. or leg. At least three times a day, a patient would rate the pain they were feeling and then press a button that would spur their implants to record brain signals for 30 seconds. By following patients daily at home and at work, 
This is the first time ever chronic pain has been measured in the real world, Dr. Shovarkar said. The researchers placed electrodes in two brain areas, the orbital frontal cortex, which hasn't been studied much in pain research, and the anterior cingulate cortex, a region involved in processing emotional cues. Many studies have suggested that the anterior cingulate cortex is important for perceiving both pain and acute and chronic pain. Mm -hmm. The scientists fed the data on the patient's pain scores and the corresponding electrical signals into the machine learning models, which could then predict high and low chronic pain states based on brain signals alone. The researchers found that certain frequency fluctuations from the orbital frontal cortex were the best predictors of chronic pain. Although that brain signature was common among patients, Dr. Shulvarkar said each patient also showed unique brain activity. Each patient actually had a different fingerprint mm. for their pain, he said. Mm -hmm. Given these variations and just four study participants, Tori Wagner, a, a neuroscientist at Dartmouth who was not involved in the study, suggested caution in dubbing orbital frontal cortex signatures as biomarkers just yet. We definitely want to corroborate this with other studies using other methodologies that can provide systemic coverage of the whole brain, he said. The study's authors also noted that other brain regions may be involved. We're just getting started, Dr. Edward Chang, a neurosurgeon at the University of California, San Francisco. This is chapter one. The implants serve another purpose, deep brain stimulation. As part of a larger clinical trial to treat chronic pain, Dr. Shulvarka and his colleagues are using mild electrical currents to stimulate the brain regions near the electrodes. In addition to the four patients in the study, who are receiving this experimental therapy. The researchers aim to recruit two more people and eventually expand the study to 20 or 30. The researchers hope to relieve patients' lingering pain by sending pulses through the electrodes to correct for any aberrant brain activity. You know, it's kind of interesting. Yes. I have chronic pain because I have spinal stenosis and sciatica. Okay. And this electrical thing is very interesting because although this isn't tied to our brain, many of us use the uh, those electrode stimulators. Uh -huh. There are, you know, you slap you, you there are electrodes and you slap them onto, let's say, where the sciatic nerve is yes. over your gluteal area. Yeah. And then you send electrical yes. things through your handheld things, and by golly, it works. Yes. You know, if I was consistent doing it, I think my pain would be a lot better because when I use it, it really is miraculous. And so I'm not sure that they really know whether the electrodes are actually going to the nerve to do that or whether there's some brain nerve. You know how there's that brain, there's always that brain connected to the bottom. Yes. So it may be my own perception of the pain due to the electrical you know, stimulation is all tied in. This is very interesting though, because yes, you know, chronic pain, neurosurgeons and orthopedic surgeons and pain management offices are packed. With people, with, people mm -hmm. with chronic pain. I know mm -hmm. in November when I was doing some rehab, all these people that walked into rehab with chronic pain, mm -hmm. it was just pitiful. And back pain is the worst. It's of the, the worst. Moment. It's the it's the worst. Yeah. It's the it's most the common. Worst. It is the most common. Exactly. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And so, yeah, it would be nice with the electrodes. You know, that's a part of some of the uh, physical therapy stuff that they do with the yeah. stimulation as well. Exactly. Yes, with right, injuries. exactly. Yes, yes. Right, right, right. You know, and then from there, you graduate, and then from there, because they try to hurry up and get the um, range of motion, then from there, that's when we come in as the exercise physiology. That's like that's how uh, Joe Moss was probably post after people went oh, through okay. physical therapy. Then they go to to him when he was working in the spine. Whatever. Oh yes, 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 yes. Where I but, met him when he was working with John yeah, Cole. Yeah, because yeah. then you got to get the exercise part. Right. To right. Go exactly. With it. Yeah. Because yeah, when you don't move with that, that's when things get worse. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So over yep, time, exactly. you have to continue to think, but. 
sometimes it's just you feel sorry because it's too too painful to even exercise. It, it is, exactly. I, that was what the situation was with a lot of the patients that I saw in rehab, especially when he was trying to get them on the bicycle. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult for them to pedal. Yeah, that's something. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if you could just yeah, put stuff? I think it's great research. I think it's needed, and I think they're going to hopefully, you know, the brain, we're still learning about the brain. Yeah. So I think that's going to open up another, uh, a lot of, a lot more. Like he said, this is only chapter one. Chapter one. I agree. This I agree. Get those brain signals and exactly for chronic I pain. Agree. And this will help lower, I think, some of the, all the, the opioid, all that exactly. kind of mess. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, Vicki. Exactly. Yes. Because yeah. it exactly. always starts when you get those hardcore people at the end, they started out with having back pain yep. or excruciating they pain. They did. That's and, how it started. And needed some pain yep. med. Yep. Yep. That's how it started. Exactly. So this will be great. All right. So Biden to nominate, and this is probably. And I'll make some comments on her too. Okay. This is, this is probably already happened, but he nominated the head of the National Cancer Institute to run NIH. You know, and so it says the U.S. National Institutes of Health could get a new leader in Dr. Monica. What's her name? Batanoli? Noli? Something like that. Yeah. Batanoli. She's the Boston cancer surgeon who has led the U.S. National Cancer Institute since last fall. The White House plans to nominate Batanoli to the post which has been filled by an interim um, director since December 2021, the Washington Post reported. She would have to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Batanoli has known, is known for being high energy, unflappable, and willing to take on challenging cases. In her seven-month tenured as National Cancer Institute Director, Dr. Bartanoli quickly demonstrated her strategic and comprehensive approach to accelerating progress in cancer prevention, detection, and treatment, said Karen Knudsen, which is the CEO mm-hmm. of the American Cancer Society and mm-hmm. ACS Cancer Action Network. Among her accomplishments, in the last half year, Dr. Bartanoli re- released a robust cancer plan, laying out an inspired roadmap to advance the cancer moonshot initiative to end cancer as we know it. That's all despite being diagnosed with breast cancer herself doing a routine mammogram weeks after taking the hem at the NCI. Bartanoli's breast cancer is hormone receptor positive. Her two negative, it is treatable with a very favorable prognosis. The NIH was long led by, okay, we knew Dr. Francis Collins, known for yes. mm-hmm. landmark genetics discoveries. Dr. Lawrence Tabak is the acting director. Bartonoli's new job would come with potential scrutiny and Republican-led investigations. Of course. Right. Into NIH funding of virus research. Yeah. This includes grants to a nonprofit called uh, EcoHealth Alliance that studied the coronaviruses in Wuhan, China. We know that EcoHealth has failed to publish all its work and has, in fact, refused to share its work with the U.S. government. Representative Brad Winstrup of what? He's uh, he's in Ohio. Okay, leader mm-hmm. of a House panel investigating the coronavirus response. And this, he said, at a hearing way back in Tuesday in April. Okay, the Inspector General for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services has alleged that the NIH failed to appropriately monitor EcoHealth's work, though the nonprofit has denied wrongdoing, according to the Post. Democrats, too, have concerns about the agency's structure and whether it is a good fit for a climate that prizes breakthroughs from private sector companies and philanthropists. Mm -hmm. And so here we go. I'm a big fan of the NIH, but I will say I'm concerned by the pace of scientific research that we're seeing. And this is Representative Josh Hartner, that's in California, said at a hearing Wednesday in April on NIH's budget request. Bartonoli's work at the Cancer Institute has included a plan to reduce cancer deaths and achieve President Joe Biden's moonshot initiative, 
which aims to cut the U.S. cancer death rate by at least 50% over the next 25 years. She also has focused on streamlining the complications and costs of studies. Bartonola is known for taking on technically difficult high-risk surgeries while keeping the mood in the operating room happy and weirdly comfortable and easygoing, said Dr. Atal Gawadi, a surgeon and writer who trained under Bartonoli and is now the assistant administrator for global health at the U.S. Agency for International Development. The first woman to lead the NCI, Bartolona, who is 64, studied chemical engineering at Princeton University and graduated from the University of Utah School of Medicine. She is also the mother of a son with autism. She has called for improving health equity to accelerate progress against cancer death. Knudsen said the American Cancer Society and ACS can strongly support the choice of Bartonoli. Dr. Bartonoli is not only an exceptional surgical oncologist, innovative scientist, and leader with a strong track record of transforming organizations. She also has firsthand knowledge of the patient perspective as well, Knudsen said in a statement. ACS and ACS can strongly support this choice as the next NIH director, she said. So what does this mean for you? Well, a new leader for the U.S. National Institute of Health could put a fresh focus on efforts to cut cancer death rates. So what do you say about that, Dee? <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad because, you know, COVID kind of put a halt on everything. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking to some of my students today about how some of the greatest strides that we have made now have been in cancer treatment. And, you know, if you listen to her bio, one of the things in her bio, she came to this NCI job from Harvard, where she was the Richard Wilson Professor of Surgery in the field of surgical oncology at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. She was a surgeon at Brigham and Women's Hospital and a member of the Gastrointestinal Cancer Treatment and Sarcoma Center at Dana-Farber mm-hmm. Cancer Institute in Boston. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's good. You know, these GI tumors, I often say that GI tumors are never good. No. And I'm glad to see that she has been on the forefront of trying to she was one of the ones that did that study about Celebrex, taking Celebrex and decreasing the incidence of colon cancer. So, okay. you know, okay. bravo to her. And, you know, you know, she hadn't had it easy no. coming through Ooh, uh, yeah. those coming through surgical programs, still predominantly male. Yes, so very manly. Her. That stuff is very manly. Those surgical yeah, ve- stuff. very much so. So mm. kudos to her. I hope she does well. Kudos to her. But it's fun. It's funny how these representatives, unless they are physicians or in the health care, they be saying all this stuff they have they no don't clue. understand clueless they have clueless. no clue i know clueless and you know you hate to say it's partisan but anytime anybody democrat comes up you got a lot of yang yang woo woo on the other side I just, know. To, just to be just to be difficult yeah but at the end of the day the most important thing is our health period exactly with anybody's a health you can't buy it with a, you cannot buy it uh money will not buy you good health right health is priceless Absolutely. That's it. Well, D, you know, we're ending our show. And so do you have any tips that we should well, think about? Well, you know, we go through what we talked about today. The topics that we had today, the, the cracking your knuckles cause arthritis. And again, a lot more work needs to be done. It's kind of interesting that somebody would even think about studying that. And again, as they said in the article, any kind of constant uh, motion irritation is bound to do. I mean, you've got this little bit of synovium fluid, you know, you're finger joints are just like the joints in your knees, only smaller. And you got synovial fluid. And surely if you continue to overuse and so forth, it could lead to degenerative joint disease or arthritis. So we need to have more work on that. The chronic pain article that I reported on, I thought was really interesting. We still need to do more work with chronic pain. And as you and I said, it's probably the big, one of the biggest issues that we have here in this country in terms of pain is back pain. And as you said, finding a solution for this could certainly decrease the, hopefully, incidence of opioid addiction that's, you know, now you just reminded me that um, in order to renew our medical licenses now, 
for every license that I've had to renew this year, Pennsylvania and Ohio and North Carolina, okay. we've had to take a course, uh-huh. a course in opioid addiction. Okay. And so now my DEA is coming up. And fortunately, I've already done five hours of opioid addiction training through my other licenses, but I got to do three more. The DEA now, Drug Enforcement Agency, is requiring eight credits for that. So, you know, everybody's trying to do this mad dash to try to get doctors who have been part of the problem to learn more about addiction treatment and so forth. So, and then the last one about Dr. Bertinoli, congratulations to her. New NCI um, chair. I think she's got a long road. Has she been completely approved? Yeah, she's got to go through the she Senate. She's got to go through the U.S. She, Senate. They got to, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they'll beat her up before she, I think she'll probably get in. She comes in with great credentials, but just like they did Katanji Jackson Brown. Yes. They'll beat her, they will, they will beat her up sufficiently. Yes. And then they'll pass her through. But it's just a shame that you have to go through that. I know. I know. But yeah, so kudos to her. Yeah. And she's she's dealing with cancer herself, right? Breast cancer. I know. Right. How about that? I know. So that's something. That's, that's something. A, that's deep. That that's is deep. very deep. Yes, it is. You know, we have a friend who was on our show, Dr. Nancy Gant. Yeah. Uh, who also had breast cancer and as a breast surgeon. Yeah. You know, and it's just kind of like these you certainly having gone through it. These women now are able to emotionally, not just from a scientific standpoint, understand yes. it, but the emotions of being diagnosed with any kind of cancer and what you have to go through. I know. And so, yeah, kudos to, to her for just being strong enough to continue right. doing that exactly when, you, when you're suffering from you yes, know yes yes you're and dealing you with your, the job yeah, yeah. Job. you're yeah. dealing with yeah. your own health issues yeah all right and it's always folks for more information go to our website vickidofitness.com and remember if you have any questions comments or just something to say tweet us email us go on facebook and share with us your thoughts You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com. <laughs>